This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible, and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited, adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. All right, welcome to this episode. Before we get started, let me thank a few new Patreon subscribers. We have Stuart Kindred, Strange Loop, Dustin Anderson, and Shannon Gore. Thank you all so much. I hope you are enjoying that backlog of, I think, 122 episodes now we're up to. For those of you who might be interested in that, you can go to patreon.com slash mysterious circumstances. You can scroll through the episodes before you even join, check out, see if there's some stuff you like. I have everything on there. True crime, unsolved true crime, some torture type shit, some demonic possession stuff, paranormal, everything. Literally everything is on there. All the same kind of stuff I cover on the regular feed. There's also a 2 5 and $10 tier. And one more thing, let me state some sources real quick. Unsolved.com, Unsolved Mysteries, the TV show, TheDiggings.com, and HistoricMysteries.com. And I gotta give a huge shout out to Jason Leach, who is a voice actor right here local to me out of Fort Wayne. This dude's voice is fucking amazing, and he's gonna do the intro for this episode and, and give you the rundown on how it's gonna go. On September 7th, 1987, Tom Young closed up his bookshop and along with his dog, Gus, disappeared. Nine months later, a new resident of Silver Plume, Keith Reinhardt, opened an antique shop at exactly the same location. On August 7th, 1988, Keith closed up his shop for the day and disappeared. Keith Reinhardt and Tom Young both rented the same store. They both left town promising to return. Strangest of all, Keith was writing a book about Tom's disappearance when he suddenly vanished. This is the case of Keith Reinhardt, episode 207, on Mysterious Circumstances, with Justin Rimmel. How about that voice, huh? It's like ten times better than mine. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm actually talking to him right now, trying to get him into podcasting, so hopefully that works out, because he is an amazing voice actor, great voice, I think he'd do well uh, doing a podcast, So, and he's also into crime. So that works out for me and for everybody else. Like I said, his name is Jason Leach, L-E-E-C-H, and he can be found at jasonleach.com and on Instagram and Twitter at jasonleachvo. So go check him out if you need some voice work done. He is the man and he is local to me. So I always love when uh, local creators and artists uh, help support each other. And now let's go ahead and get on with this episode. Alright, this is the really weird disappearance of Keith Reinhard. He was born September 10th, 1938. He disappeared on August 7th, 1988. 
At the time of his disappearance, he was about six foot two, two 210 pounds. He was married with two children. He had gray hair, blue eyes, and he wore glasses only for reading. And he was last seen wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt with a flannel shirt over that. And this episode is a little bit odd, too, because it involves another person. We'll get to that here in a second. As for Keith, for 23 years, he was a sports reporter for a suburban Chicago newspaper. In 1988, at the age of 48, he was having what we like to refer to as a midlife crisis. And he starts growing his hair out, grows out his beard a little bit, and he was about to turn 50. And there were some things in his life that he wanted to accomplish while he was still young enough to do that. And he starts losing focus at work and stuff like that and starts wondering what's in it for the future. Because at that age, if you're lucky, you got 20, 25 years left. Now, on top of all this, he's living in Chicago. And this starts taking a toll on him. You know, he has stress. He starts gaining weight, stuff like that. And he had a decent job. And like I said, he was also a married man. He had two children, but there was just this void that needed filled. And to be honest with you, I don't know how anybody could live in Chicago and not be stressed out. And since I started this podcast, that is my highest downloaded city and still is to this day, six years later. I go to Chicago all the time. I can only take it for a couple days at a time. It's just super busy, you know, and, uh, there's always stuff going on, like it's fun, I love Chicago to death, but yeah, I don't think I could ever live there, to be honest with you. I don't think I could work there either, so my hat's off to all you uh, people in Chicago there. Love you, love my cubbies as well. So now you have a little bit of context to what Keith Reinhardt is kind of going through. Well, he has this friend named Ted Parker, who lives in Silver Plume, Colorado, and he owns this cafe called KP Cafe. And Keith and Ted, they grew up together. They grew up across the street from one another and had known each other for about 40 years at this point. Ted even said that their relationship was close enough. It was very similar to them being brothers. And Ted even said that Keith was very apprehensive, but he was also excited about turning 50. Ted would always talk about the slower-paced life and the quieter life in Silver Plume and Keith starts thinking, you know what, maybe that sounds all right. And Silver Plume is just this tiny little historic town. It's in Clear Creek County, Colorado. This town had about 135 residents in 1988. That's how small this town is, 135 people. And Keith starts thinking, hey man, this sounds good. I kind of want to go there and see what it's all about. So he tells his wife, Carolyn, that he wanted to spend some time in Silver Plume alone to work on a novel. As we know, he is a writer, and he also has some other goals in mind while he's there. He wants to get in shape, because he was gaining that uh, weight from stress. So he wants to do some mountain climbing, overcome his fear of heights, and in turn, get in shape and kind of do his own thing for a minute. According to his son, Sven, he had felt like he was going to get old really soon and wanted to enjoy the last years of his younger life without any regrets. He also wanted to do a lot of those certain things in his life before he became too old to be able to do them. So even though his wife Carolyn was initially not fond of the idea, she did end up agreeing to it and saying, hey, you know what, just go fulfill your dream. It's three months, go do this. That's a supportive relationship right there. So in June 1988, 
Keith begins his three-month sabbatical in Silver Plume, Colorado. He settled into town and he found a vacant shop on Main Street right across the street from the cafe that his buddy Ted owned. And he leased it out and he starts selling antiques and matted photographs out of there. And he was gearing this business towards the summer tourists. Because for as small as this town is, it is somewhat of a tourist attraction. There's a lot of uh, smaller mountains to climb, a lot of silver mines, old silver mines that you can go tour. You can still go there and, and take tours of these as well. So he's thinking if it's successful, and he's thinking if this shop is successful, he was hoping that his wife Carolyn and the kids would maybe relocate there permanently with him. Not long after he gets there in this tiny little town, someone mentions to him that the previous tenant of this uh, space that he was leasing had disappeared without a trace nine months before he got there. This building used to be a bookstore, and it was owned by a man named Tom Young, who had vanished nine months earlier on September 7th, 1987. That day, on September 7th, Tom Young closed up his shop and him and his dog disappeared. Tom Young had told people that he was going on a trip to Europe. So three weeks go by before anyone even thought about anything suspicious. They didn't even think him being gone was anything weird because he had told people that. So Keith Reinhardt becomes obsessed with Tom's disappearance. He also considers this to be a really good story to tell. And he starts researching Tom Young. And he wants to write a book about Tom Young and his disappearance. So he starts talking to everyone in Silver Plume who had known him, which 135 people, pretty sure everybody knew him. So when he started this book, he created a character named Guy Gypsum, who was a composite of Tom Young and himself. And sometimes it seemed hard for him to tell the difference. Unfortunately, Keith is there for a while and he starts running into some problems. This antique shop isn't doing much business, understandably so, in the town this size. And on top of that, he began to get writer's block. Now, even though some things aren't really going the way he planned, he still loves the Rocky Mountains. He still loves walking around outside in this area. It's still peaceful and he's really enjoying his time there for the most part. Then on July 31st, 1988, about 10 months after Tom vanished, which is about a month after Keith had gotten into Silver Plume, two hunters who are out exploring Republican Mountain, which is about a mile and a half outside Silver Plume to the north, they end up finding a skeleton propped up against a tree. And it is the remains of Tom Young. Not far away from the remains were a backpack, a pistol, and the skeletal remains of a dog. Tom and his dog had both died from a bullet wound to the head. When the police did their investigation, they found out that Tom had purchased a gun four days before he vanished. The coroner's office and Clear Creek County Sheriff's Department later ruled it a suicide and closed the case. They determined that Tom had killed his dog and then taken his own life. And even though police treated this as a simple suicide, there were some other people in town who were not really convinced that it was. Tom was very, very fond of his dog Gus. 
and the locals couldn't see any reason why he would take his dog Gus and kill him as well. Now, according to Unsolved Mysteries, ballistic tests were unable to match the bullets to the gun that was found and the gun that was bought by Tom Young. According to another source, no tests were ever done at all. And to be honest with you, like in a situation like this, unfortunately, this is a scenario that does happen. It is such a small town. I find it more believable that the cops didn't do ballistic tests just because... The scenario and the scene probably looked pretty convincing that it was a uh, suicide scenario. But like I said, to some people in town, it was still a mystery and one that might not be solved if it wasn't suicide. But there's even more. A week after Tom Young and Gus were found on August 7th, 1988, exactly 11 months after Tom disappeared, at around 2.30 p.m., Keith Reinhardt closed up his shop for the day, and throughout the rest of the afternoon, he walked through Silver Plume and told several residents that he was planning to climb to the top of nearby Pendleton Mountain. Now, Pendleton Mountain was about a 30-minute walk away from downtown Silver Plume, and it is right directly about southwest. Now, the town has an elevation of about 9,000 feet, The mountain is at about 12,200 feet elevation. Because of this, most of the people didn't take him seriously because they knew that he had a fear of heights and he really didn't like climbing alone and because this wasn't his first attempt. A lot of friends had told a story about the last time he had attempted to climb this mountain and he started showing signs of vertigo and couldn't make it up. He had to turn around. Not to mention... There's always the factor of conditions and wildlife that make hiking this mountain or the Rockies like pretty dangerous, and that would be especially dangerous at night. And like I had mentioned, the Pendleton Mountain has a peak of about 12,000 feet, and when you get up that high, you have to worry about exposure to the elements, even in July and August. I mean, in August, the average temperature in Silver Plume for the high is about 73 degrees, and the low at night is about 44 degrees. So the higher elevation you get, the colder it's going to get. We also have the factor of the sun sets at about 8 p.m. in Silver Plume in August. And there are very few people who are skilled enough to hike any of these mountains at night. So at 4 p.m., he goes to Ted's Cafe and told him he was going to make it to the top of that mountain. He also said that if he didn't come back, that Ted should call on rescue, and he set a deadline of 10 p.m. for his return. Then he said goodbye and he left. And Ted didn't even take him seriously when he was saying this shit, because the sun sets at 8, he's not skilled, the slope on this mountain is 60 degrees, and... Going to the top of this mountain and back down is about a six-hour hike. Sunsets at 8 p.m. at right about 4.30. That's when Keith was last seen walking toward Pendleton Mountain. You have to take into account the 30-minute walk that it takes to get there. So he's not even hitting the base of this mountain until 5. So if he's an experienced climber, he's not even going to reach the top of this mountain until about 8 o'clock, right when the sun is going down. Keep in mind, he had no jacket, no supplies. He was not prepared at all. 
All he had on was his jeans, a t-shirt, and a flannel shirt, and he's just walking for this mountain at about 4.30 p.m. So 10 p.m. rolls around, there's no sign of Keith. Then the following morning comes, and there's still no sign of Keith Reinhardt. Helicopters were called out to search Pendleton Mountain. On the ground, there's more than 125 men and a dozen trained dogs, and they comb through all of this terrain for seven days. They searched everywhere on the mountain, which I had mentioned earlier is about 3,000 vertical feet at a 60-degree slope. They are all over the shit. And everyone knew that the rescue effort probably wasn't going to be an easy one. And one person commented that this was a classic needle-in-a-haystack endeavor. It was probably some of the most difficult terrain to search. They also had a disadvantage because Keith had gone into the mountains just wearing his jeans and a flannel shirt and tennis shoes. He had no backpacker equipment, which is something that they also look for. So he had technically left behind no clues for them. In 30 years of operation, the Colorado Alpine rescue teams have found every single person they searched for, but they couldn't find him. And also, a Cessna that was carrying two of the searchers had crashed looking for Keith, and only one of these people survived the impact. And like I said, Keith was gone without a trace. Then a couple of his friends end up going to the antique shop, and right there next to his computer was the newspaper where the headline was, Tom Young's Body Found. And still in his computer were these words, and it was part of his unfinished novel, and it was the very last thing that he wrote. It said, Guy Gypsum changed into some hiking boots and donned a heavy flannel shirt. He understood Tom now and his motivation. Guy closed the door, then walked off towards the lush, shadowless Colorado forest above. A week after Keith vanished, on August 12th, 1988, they finally called off the search. So now we're looking at two men that had vanished under very similar circumstances in a town of 135 people, and some people didn't think it was a coincidence. You had friends of Tom Young who still thought that there was possible foul play, that they were not buying the suicide theory. And you had friends of Keith who just couldn't explain why he would do that or where he went. So because of what Keith's friends found on his computer, could this be an implication that Keith had decided to go out there and take his own life? Or was he just setting up his own disappearance? Because one week before he did leave and walk off into the mountains, he wrote a letter to his editors of a Herald newspaper where he worked in Illinois to tell them that when he returned, he wanted to cover the Chicago Bulls. This would make his disappearance look accidental. And almost as soon as this guy disappeared, everybody started speculating. But as of now, in 2022... Nobody has been able to determine what really happened to Keith. He has never been found and has since been declared legally dead. Then in September of 2021, there was a clue found. Two hikers on Pendleton Mountain who were shooting a documentary for a college film found Keith's wallet. When they found that, they turned this film into a documentary 
on Reinhardt's disappearance. And this documentary is called Dark Side of the Mountain. And it explores Tom and Keith's disappearances and the possibility that they were victims of foul play. And I looked this up for you guys, and this documentary is free on YouTube. So if you want to go watch it, go check that out. Like I said, it's pretty low budget, but it's a good documentary. So before we start getting into the theories, because there is more than one, there is several theories on Keith's disappearance, because there's some little things you need to know. Let's go ahead and take a break. I'm going to run some ads, and I will meet you back here in a few minutes. Alright, so one of the big theories is that Keith planned his own disappearance. His wife, Carolyn, does not believe that he would have left at 4 p.m. for a long-distance hike with this far destination in mind. At that time of day, she believed that he would have gone for a walk up the mountain as far as he felt comfortable, and then he would have turned around and come back down. Because like I said, Tom had tried doing this mountain before and had experienced vertigo. He also had a fear of heights. He also had no experience, no pack, no preparation, nothing. So she thought that it was odd that he didn't take his cameras either, because he was always in the habit of carrying this with him, especially if there is scenery there that can be photographed. Police noted that Keith was possibly having a midlife crisis, was frustrated that he could not make it off the antique store in Silver Plume. They weren't exactly sure why he made it a point to tell all these people what he was going to do. It also didn't make sense why he would climb to the top of the mountain by himself with those fears of heights and he had vertigo. The police did note that Tom Young left a false trail surrounding his disappearance and they were wondering if Keith did the same thing. But Keith's wife Carolyn does not believe that he would just walk away from his life. He loved everybody in his life and he loved keeping in touch with them and she doesn't believe that he would have left them all behind. One interesting thing that you have to know as well is that Keith had told several friends shortly before his disappearance that he had wanted to visit West Virginia. I personally don't find that as odd, but it is a point that we have to talk about. Also, the night before he vanished, he had attended a party where he had spent a great deal of time talking to a woman named either Greta or Gretchen, who was from Denver and police believed at one point that she may have had information on his disappearance. So let's talk about this woman at the party. The night before he disappeared, he is at this party, and he is talking to this woman named Greta or Gretchen for a long time, and supposedly she's from Denver. Could she have played a part in him deciding to just run away from his life? The last passage he wrote in that book could be taken in a completely different context if that was the scenario because he had already uprooted himself and left behind everything he left his job the place he grew up his wife his kids is there a possibility he could have done this again now according to a family friend investigators later located the woman known as Greta or Gretchen and questioned her about Keith's disappearance but According to the investigators, she had no information about his disappearance or anything of that nature. And kind of going along with those two theories is the theory that maybe he was becoming his character. 
Keith's daughter, Tiffany, recalled that he was very interested in Tom's disappearance to the point he was almost obsessed with it. He talked about it all the time. And she noted that writers like to live the story that they are writing about and get a feel for it so that it's easier for them to write about it. She speculated that he may have wanted to feel what it was like to disappear so that he could write about it. And the fact is, authors do try to live the characters that they create, and perhaps this is what he was doing. Maybe it was a publicity stunt that ended up going wrong. We don't know. We also have to bring up the crash of the Cessna. After that happened, that might have convinced him just not to come out of hiding. There have also been like numerous sightings that have been attributed to Keith Reinhardt since his disappearance. I mean, if you faked your disappearance for publicity or just to see what it felt like and then people were killed in a small plane crash while searching for you, that might make you not want to come out of hiding for a little while, if you think about it. Another prominent theory, and probably one of my favorites here, is that it was an accident. He had no preparation. He had no experience. He could have suffered an injury or anything like that. Could have ran into some fucking wild animals. You have temperatures. You have the elements. The terrain on and around the mountain is no joke. Like, it can kill you. The one thing that makes this theory not very good is the fact that there was not very long between his disappearance and the search efforts. We're talking 12 hours tops. I mean, the very next morning they were out there. Now, I do have to point out one thing about the accident theory as well. I got on uh, Google Maps and checked out some of this stuff here. And Silver Plume, it's right along Interstate 70. Silver Valley Road runs right parallel to um, I-70 right there through Silver Plume. Now, the fact that Tom Young went north and... Keith Reinhardt went uh, a little bit southwest, kind of makes me want to believe that he really wasn't trying to live out the character or follow in Tom's footsteps, but the last time he was seen was walking outside of town. Now, he had to cross Silver Valley Road in order to get to the forest before he even got to the peak of this mountain, or the base of the mountain, I should say. Now, along with that fact is that this was a mining town, all right? From like 1870 until the end of the silver boom, there are 2,000 mines around this town. If you get on Google Maps, you can only see the big ones, which are like tourist attractions, and you can go check out and shit like that. But if you get on thediggings.com, you can see every single little mine that was claimed, and it is wild. There are so many mines along this mountain and around it, and even trying to get to this mountain. So with the accident theory, my whole thought is that this dude could have stumbled upon a small old mine shaft. He could have slipped while walking, you know, at the base of this mountain. And all it takes is one wrong step, and you're gone, especially if you hit one of these smaller mine shafts. The fact that they found his wallet back in 2021 is kind of odd, unless that was like dislodged out of his jeans while he was falling, or something of that nature. Or maybe he did set up his disappearance and just left that on the mountain 
and took off. I don't know. But unfortunately, that does bring us to the suicide theory. And because Keith had an unhealthy interest in Tom Young, could he have tried to go that route? He was having issues with his life in general, but there is nobody in his life, whether friends, family, anything, that have admitted that he had any kind of death wish. There is no record of him ever owning a firearm either. And his wife Carolyn said that uh, she doesn't think that he would take his own life just because he was the most optimistic and upbeat person. And his advice to her was always positive mental attitude. With this type of personality, she says that there's no way he would have taken his own life. And my problem with that is, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people with problems, even if they're going through a midlife crisis or whatever the case might be, they're not going to show those signs. They're probably going to be the happiest person that you know at the party. And they're going through the most shit inside. So, I don't know. I'm going to leave that one up to you. I really don't have an opinion on it. I didn't know the guy. But, you know, that could go either way, I would say. And then the last theory that we have is foul play. The huge thing with the foul play factor means motive and opportunity you have a town of 135 people all right that narrows the playing field down quite a bit when you're trying to pick a person who is going to murder two people tom and keith have a couple things in common one of them is they both disappeared tom was later found as we know but both men also have another thing in common and that is they owned the same shop some people put a lot of importance on this fact. And they bring up the fact that ballistics could never prove that the bullet that killed Tom came from his own gun. As I had stated earlier, according to Unsolved Mysteries, they tested the ballistics and it didn't match. According to another source, they never even tested the ballistics at all. Another part of that is that they both might have come across information that someone did not want them to have regarding the space that they leased out for their shops. Keith's daughter Tiffany believed that foul play was involved and that Keith had stumbled upon something. Keith's son Sven, <laughs> it's a little tongue twister there, he does not believe that they will find out the truth until Keith's body is found. Is there a chance that they had learned something about the store that put them at risk? If that's the case, foul play might be involved. But again, if that is the case, you have a population of 135 people. You also have to take in the factor of means, motive, and opportunity. I don't know, man. I don't see foul play as a huge factor, but you guys might. Is there a chance that the same thing happened to Keith Reinhardt that happened to Tom Young? Absolutely. That's a possibility. It's an unsolved case. We don't know what happened. If somebody could do that to Tom, then yeah, why wouldn't they do it to Keith? But the similarities between both those cases, with the exception of Tom being found, is kind of odd. Because of all these different theories and the uncertainty of Keith and just the last moments before he took off and the fact that he wasn't prepared or knowledgeable about mountain climbing or the terrain, he wasn't prepared... It's been over 30 years, and still nobody really knows what happened to Keith Reinhardt. So, I don't know. 
I'm always open to a discussion about this in the Facebook group and stuff. If somebody posts about it and wants to talk about it and, you know, give their theory or anything of that nature, because I have no idea what happened to the guy. So that's about all I got for you on this episode. The next episode is going to be Haunted Clinton Road. It was a suggestion in the Facebook group and I don't know, kind of want to do a paranormal one and I have seen Clinton Road and I actually went through and read a few different articles and I think it's going to be a really interesting one. So ways that you can get a hold of me. You can always email me, justin.mcpodcast at gmail.com. You can stop by, like the Facebook page. You can join the Facebook group. If you do go to join the group, please answer the questions or you will not get in. We also have Instagram, at mysterious underscore podcast. We have Twitter, at podcastmc. Also, anybody is welcome to follow my personal uh, Instagram account, just if you don't have a real account, I'm not going to accept it because it's a private account, but you're more than welcome to if you want. It's just a bunch of memes and pictures of me and my kids, so <laughs> nothing too exciting there. Merchandise. I do have merchandise that I never really promote. You can go to mcpodcast.threadless.com. You can also go to tpublic.com slash mcpodcast. You can find merchandise there as well. Um, if you don't want to do Patreon and you just want to do a one-time donation as well, I do have a Venmo at MC Podcast, and for donations, I do uh, I will send you some episodes as well. Just tell me what kind you want, whether it's crime, paranormal, whatever, and I'll hook you up because everything is appreciated. And yeah, until next time, see you folks on the flip side.